0: Before we start into our worship, join me in prayer. O Heavenly Father and Creator of the universe, we come to You today to worship You and to lift up Your name above all other names. Father, we praise You, we thank You that You give us what You give us to work together as believers. But the greatest gift that we have ever been given in our life is Your Son, Jesus Christ, who came to this world and walked among men. And those of us who have received Christ as Lord and Savior of our life know what it means to be the redeemed of God. And now, Lord, as we sing today, as Scott comes now to lead us in worship, and as we praise you, Heavenly Father, I pray that every single one of us will come to you with gratitude and thankfulness in our heart that we are a truly blessed people. And it is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, I make this prayer. Amen. Who
1: remembers the parking lot services? Remember how cool it was, and God gave us perfect weather during those days. And so a few months ago, back in April of this year, I had to have my truck worked on. I was over in the um, in a mechanic's place, and this guy, uh, who was my mechanic, was a member of another church. And he was so excited, he said, You're not gonna believe what's gonna happen this week in our church. I said well what is going to happen in your church he said our choir is going to be back this week our choir is going to be back this week and he was so excited about singing he said when do you think your choir is going to be back and i said last june (laughs) and so we're just thankful for what the lord has done let's continue to praise the lord today Amen. I want to tell you something that the praise team and our pastors and some others in the church had an opportunity to do this week. We had the opportunity on Thursday to be in Columbia to uh, provide worship, lead in worship for the first revitalization summit that our state convention has sponsored. And it was a great time. It was a great time because the Lord was there and we learned something. And we heard about how church life is in this time and how we can come together to help each other And there's a couple of pictures i see they're putting of this your praise team and also uh that's jimbo simpson who's one of our uh, guys from the north american mission board that spoke and i think there's just a crowd thing but we also were joined on the platform by uh andy and charlie more from First Baptist Ennery. And uh, that's the good looking guy and girl over there on the end. He's playing keyboard. You're going to be hearing more from them in just a few short weeks. God is up to something. And we ended the service that day with this song. Because the only person I know that can make an army out of bones is God. Our Father can do that. He can make seas and the highways. He can make graves into the gardens. And he's the only one who can. Amen. Amen
2: I searched the world But it couldn't feel me Man's empty praise and treasures of fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together, and every desire is now satisfied, hearing your love.
3: Isn't it a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Again, that's Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, if you'd like to read along with me in your Bibles. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or... Do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. May the Lord bless the reading of the Word.
1: Alright,
4: school is back in session. I don't know if you guys realized it this past week, but school has started back. And for many of you, that has drastically changed your life. You may be a a student, if you're a child or a student here today, you've had to sit back in a classroom after going through
0: maybe a long summer.
4: Or, some of us, that just means that there's more traffic on the road, right? There's more traffic out and about. But the reality is the school has started back, and I want to start this morning by asking each of you a question. And what I want to ask you is, is, was there a subject in school, while you were in school, or now if you're in school, that you just had to work a little harder at than others? How many of you would say, say yes? Yeah. Or maybe a class that you had to study... A lot more for than maybe you did other classes. I know that I can, I can say that. That was me. Now, that could be for a lot of different reasons. That could be because of the subject matter that you were studying. How many of you would say, you just struggle with math? Okay. It seems like math is something either you're good at or you're just not, right? I mean, it's just a, but, I'll, but I'll say this. The teacher makes a big difference. Or at least it, it always did for me. How many of you say, I'm, hey, English. I, I do math. Just don't. Don't make me write anything. I'd rather not. I just can't spell. You know, and I've met guys that are... They're PhDs. They're brilliant guys. But at the very beginning of the class, they would tell us, Look, I'm not paid to spell. Okay? So it doesn't make you... You're not any less intellectual than anybody else if you struggled with one subject or the other. The reason why I bring that up this morning is because we're going to look at a subject that's pretty hard for us to wrap our minds around. And the reality is, is that Jesus... Was a teacher. In chapter 19, just before the book or the chapter that we're looking at today, you see a man that approached Jesus and he referred to him as a teacher. Every time you see the word disciple in your Bible, I hope you think of a learner. That's what these men were doing, they were following the teacher and they were learning. And what I want you to realize this morning is the topic in which we're looking at and the topic in which or the subject that Jesus was trying to teach them about is the kingdom of heaven. And you see that repeatedly over and over throughout the gospel record. He refers to, he's trying to teach them about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. He uses those phrases interchangeably. And the truth is is that was just a subject that they really struggled with. It was really tough for them to wrap their mind around what Jesus was trying to tell them because His kingdom looked like no other earthly kingdom. And as we look at this passage of Scripture today, I promise you, if you have done like I've done over the past couple of days, you've looked at different ones and what they've had to say about this parable, let me tell you, we struggle with what Jesus said on this day. The truth is that you read one guy and he'll go one direction and he'll say you should really focus on this as you look at this and then you can, you can set that book to the side and then you pick up another book and the next guy says, no, 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 no. the thing that the other guy said was important, not that important. And he'll go in a totally different direction. And he'll highlight different things. And to be honest with you, I kind of struggled with that as I looked at this and I tried to study out this passage. But have you ever been sitting in a classroom and it seemed like that the teacher, as he was teaching, he said something or she said something and it was like a light. I feel like I had that moment after all day yesterday trying to figure this out. I had a little bit of a light turn on. Now the reality is, is I don't dream to think that I know what, this, what is all, what all this is about. This morning. But I believe that there's some key principles in here that if we take outside of those doors with us when we leave, it will radically change our lives. I want you to look with me. And I believe that one important aspect of understanding of what Jesus was saying in our Bibles, what it listed is listed as chapter 20, in verses 1 through, 1 through 16, I think that we have to go back to chapter 19. I just referred to how this rich young man comes to Jesus and he refers to him as a teacher and we see that there's some, some, some dialogue there between him and Jesus. And Jesus tells him that he wants him to sell his possessions and give it to the poor and come and follow him. And the, man, and the Bible says that he walks away and he's exceeding sorrowful. He's just sad because he had great riches. And then we know that Jesus tells the disciples there, he says, hey, look, it's going to be a hard thing for a rich person To enter into the kingdom of heaven, he said, "It's it's going to be something that's difficult. And the Bible says, as you look in chapter 19 and verse number 25, he says, When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Now let me tell you this, if I were starting a kingdom, one thing that I would want is rich people. I mean, if you're going to have a kingdom that's worth anything, right? I need some people that have wealth. And Jesus just looked at him and said, "Hey, look, there's not going to be many of these guys, right?" Now he then turned around and said, "With God, all things are possible. This can, this can happen." But the truth is, is that if that was the kingdom that I was try- if there was a the kingdom that I was trying to start, I would go try to find the richest guys I could find to be in my kingdom. And they were astonished at the fact that Jesus said there won't be very many of those in my. Kingdom. See, they were thinking with physical minds and they were thinking within concept of physical kingdoms and it just didn't make sense. And that's what I want you to realize right off the bat this morning as we look at this. I want you to think about the fact that it just doesn't make sense to us. What Jesus is trying to get across is is that when it comes to God's kingdom, when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, everything's upside down and inside out and it's just totally different than the way we see things and the way we do. But the key to understanding a lot of chapter number 20 and the first, several, the first verses there in chapter 20 must be connected with what Peter said in verse number 27 verse 19. Peter says this. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for He asked Jesus. He said, Okay, Lord, alright. He said, but... But we've left everything. What's for us? What's for us? This is what how Jesus responds in verse number twenty-eight of chapter nineteen. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things. Now, we just jump way forward. At the renewal of all things, I'm thankful that one day all things will be renewed. Okay? So he's speaking of the end of the age, of the beginning of a new age, right? And this is what Jesus said. So that's the context we immediately enter into when he starts saying this. And then he says, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne. Now, that immediately brings their mind to Daniel chapter 7. when he, Daniel 7, in the dream there that Daniel has, he speaks of the Son of Man. He speaks of the Ancient of Days. He thinks, talks about all these things that are going to happen. And the reality is, is that they would have immediately known that. And then he says, when he sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, if you know anything about the culture at this time, and these are Jewish individuals that he's standing here and speaking to, this would have made them extremely happy. I mean, this is the whole reality this. they had. They thought that Jesus was there to set up a... They thought for for all intents and purposes, He was going to set up a kingdom. And all the way through, you see where Jesus is talking about the concept of the kingdom of heaven, and nowhere along the way has it come up yet, that He's going to take everything over. And now He's telling them, He said, one of these days, the Son of Man is going to sit on His throne, and you guys are going to sit, and you're also going to judge. Now, they may have taken that very literally. They thought that this was going to happen while Jesus is here right now. You can imagine the thoughts that would have come to their mind when one of the twelve betrayed Him. They would have thought, what's going on here, <laughs> you know? But that would have just part, been part of, the, that was part of the unfolding story that they had to be comfortable with. But then He says this, this is very important in verse number 29. Now He's talking to them. He's talking to Jewish people. He tells them that they're going to judge the twelve tribes of Israel. And in the very next words there, it says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Jesus says, this isn't just about you.
3: It's about everyone
4: who will do it. But the reason why that is so important, when we think of what we're about to look at in chapter 20 that was read this morning, is this. There's a very important, and it may not be translated exactly the way it is in, in, in my translation of Scripture here, but I underline, and I would encourage you to do this if you do this. He tells them, he says, They will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit inherit eternal life. Inheritance is not a payment. It's a gift. And the reality is that at the end of time when we stand before the Son of Man, it won't be about giving us what we've earned. It'll just be about us receiving our inheritance of
0: eternal life.
4: And he looks at him and hears something very important in verse number 30. The story that we're looking at this morning is sandwiched between this statement twice. Here in verse 30 and also in chapter 20 and verse 16, but it flipped. In verse number 30 it says, "...but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. He says, Peter, don't worry. You're going to get your inheritance of eternal life. Everything's going to come out the way it should. But let me just tell you something. Who you think will be first may end up being last. And who you think should be last may end up being first. As I looked at chapter 20, now that we go into chapter 20, and you have the context of the conversation that Jesus just had, and the fact that that last chapter ends with that phrase, I want you to carry that in your mind now to chapter 20. The light bulb moment that I had last night was this one. In verse number one, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. You say, Well, that's okay. <laughs> It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. Now, if you look at your Bible, I don't know, like I said, what translation you have or whatever, but if you have subtitles in your Bible at the beginning of this chapter, it probably reads something like this, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Even on my slide, my title slide this morning, I put the parables of the workers in the vineyard, right? So as I looked at different ones, they focused on different things. But in my mind, I'm trying to figure out what's going on with the workers, And then the light came on and it says very plainly right there, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. The parable is about the kingdom of heaven and how things work in God's kingdom. But it's like a landowner. He's the main character in the passage. It's telling us about the landowner. Over and over again... We see in Scripture where where this is done. And in the book of Matthew alone, we see over and over again, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who goes to sow in a field. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. The kingdom of heaven is like, and then it likens the kingdom of heaven to a person and what the person is doing. And the person in those parables is actually the main characters in the parable. And the reality is is that it's supposed to show how God interacts with us as the king. It also does that with things. Sometimes it's the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a net. And in those parables or in those stories that are told, it's very important at the very beginning of the parable, if that's what he says it's like, to kind of pay attention to what he says it's like as you go through the parable, right? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. That's what we're going to do this morning. See, the reality is, is when it comes to the kingdom of God, the kingdom is all about God. It's all about Him. It's His kingdom, right? He does things the way that He wants to do them. And we're going to see here in this passage of Scripture how that He does do things the way that He wants to do them, but a lot of times it's just not the way we expect it to be done or we want it to be done. Let's go further into the passage. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Now, as we look at this, and we're going to look at the word it, we, we heard read earlier the word denarius, and the reality is, is that he's talking about a day worker. This is probably, the, the, in their culture there, they had Palestinian day workers, and these workers would go out and they would pay them at the end of the day. There wasn't a whole lot of security there for your job. You just went They, they were day workers. They, got, they worked the day, they got paid for the day, right? And the truth is that this is the scenario that's being played in here, and a Roman soldier was normally paid a denarius, and people at that time, that would have been very normal to them. They would have said, okay, that's a fair wage. But the landowner may go into the town, just as he did here, and he looks for, to hire workers for his vineyard. Now, a vineyard, when you think about this, and we just talked about how they, these were Jewish people, when you think about a vineyard, he was obviously speaking to the fact of something that they would have been very familiar with, because geographically there were vineyards, and in their culture there was vineyards. All of these things would have translated in their minds. But also, spiritually, when you look back in the Old Testament, the people of Israel, God's covenant people, were, many, were at times referred to as a vineyard. So they, that would have come to their mind as well. Okay, he's talking about God's people. He's inviting them into his covenant people. They would have thought about that in their minds. And then it says in verse number two, he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Now that's very important. These are the only workers, the ones at the beginning of the day were the only ones that received an agreement. And the Bible speaks almost like he agreed. Right? And then in verse number 3 it says, About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. So he goes back out later and he sees these individuals who aren't doing anything. They're standing there. He told them, you also go and work in the vineyard. And I will pay you whatever is right. That's interesting right there. He says, I'll pay you whatever is right. Apparently there was no agreement here. So they went. At that point, they had to trust the landowner, right? I mean, they they just said, "Okay, all right, we're, we're, we'll do what you said to do," and they they go and work. All they knew was that they thought they needed a job. He was offering them a job. Now we'll talk about it here in a second. I don't know that you want to do this on a daily basis here. Anybody who would run a business like this, it's probably not a good idea. Okay, it's not it's not it's not good for the it's not good for the employer or the employee. Okay. But that's the thing. This is not our kingdom. This is God's kingdom. His, his ways are above our ways. He doesn't do things the way we, we would think they need to be done. And verse number 4 says, He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon, and about three in the afternoon, and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out, and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? And in verse number 7 it says, Because no one has hired us. They In Scripture sometimes you see the phrase, Why do you stand here idle? Why are you just standing around? I don't believe that was the scenario that's happening here. Now remember, this is about the landowner. Okay, the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner. This is about how he interacts with the workers. And he sees these guys toward the end of the day that have been standing there all day long, and he says, why are you doing nothing? And they say, "We don't have any work. No, nobody's come to us. No one's given us anything to do. Now, real quick before we move on and we get to the, what this story is trying to to get to I want you to realize this there's nowhere in this passage of scripture to say that the landowner ever needed these workers do you not think the landowner knew who he needed and what work he needed done at the beginning of the day but he goes back multiple times to get more workers and when he sees them he doesn't I don't think it was a rebuke when he said why are you standing here doing nothing And they looked at him and they said, we don't don't have anything to do. The beautiful picture of God's grace. The beautiful picture of the fact that God just loves the outcast. It's almost like these workers weren't desirable. That's why they'd been standing there all day when everybody else come in the morning to pick up workers. They didn't get any work. And you know what? I think out of compassion, and we're going to talk about here in just a little bit his generosity I think the landowner goes back and he says, I believe there's more people that need more. The truth is, is that you and I, prior to meeting the landowner and being called into God's covenant people, we didn't have anything to do. We were a people that didn't have a purpose. But everything changes when you meet the landowner. You all of a sudden have work to do. You all of a sudden have a purpose. That's what I want you to think about when you see that. And then this is what it says as you go further. In verse number 8, When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages. Now, here we see something that's familiar. This correlates with what we were told in chapter 19, verse number 30. It says, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. Remember, that's, what's in, that's another concept here that Jesus is trying to, to get across. First shall be last, last shall be first. Okay, so then he says right here, he says, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. Now, in the next several verses, we're going to read that account. We're going to read what happened. Notice that it doesn't walk us through all of it. It just deals with the last guy and the first guy. Right? Because that's all he's concerned with. The first and the last. In verse number 9 it says this. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came were hired first, so it just shows the last and the first, they expected to receive more But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. These guys come forward and they said, now wait just a second. You gave them as much as you gave us. And we bore the heat of the day. And they said, you've made us equal. Now something inside of us, every one of us who are sitting here, says, That's not very fair. I'm not signing up to work there tomorrow. You know, I mean, man. if you do, I'm working at five o'clock. I'm with a five o'clock crew. Okay. All right. I'll, get, I'll slip in at five o'clock. Okay. But the reality is, is that in our culture and just as in their culture, they were like, this isn't fair. What's going on here? And the truth is, is it's the same with us. And in the ni- in the 20th century, in the 1900s, you saw uh, a rise in labor unions. Labor unions was created, and it was they were created uh, originally, at least. There's been both good and bad that have come out of labor unions, in my opinion. But the reality is, is that they made sure men and women received a fair wage. And I'm not speaking to whether or not you agree with labor unions, okay? (laughs) I'm not not saying that at all, okay? So you may feel strongly about one thing or the other. The point is is that in our culture, we expect a day's wage for a day's work. So this, even inside of us, we kind of kick against this. That don't seem right, right? And then this is what it says. This is his answer to them when they say, hey, look, you've made them equal to us. In verse number 13, he says, But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Remember, this is about the landowner, and the landowner says, No, 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 I'm not unfair. The reality is, is you know what? We may think we're doing our day's wage. We may think we're owed something, but believe me, the, the landowner is not it. He's already shared that at the end of the age, you know what, we're going to receive an inheritance. At the end of the age, all of these things are going to work out. But along the way, Peter, as he's telling these people here, he says, look, you don't... Don't worry about the Lamb. The Kingdom of Heaven is like the Lamb. And he looks at him here and almost, maybe a little bit of a rebuke, he calls him friend, but I think at the, last, at the same time, he's reminding them that he is their friend. He does not mean them. And anyway, and he says, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am? And then he repeats the concept. So the last will be first. And the first will be last. Peter at the beginning was asking about what he had done. His focus was on what I have done for you, Lord. The reality is it's not the focus of what we do for the Lord because at the end, we don't want what's fair. We want to receive the benevolence generosity of God. And in God's kingdom, the motivation and the mindset should not be about what I do for Him. And the motivation shouldn't be for the rewards or for the payment at the end of the day. But they should be just because
3: the landowner
4: wanted us to work. And we know the landowner is our friend and his and that anything that we receive, it won't be a payment. It'll be an inheritance. And the reality is that it doesn't matter how long you've been working or what you think you've been, uh, done. Just like they were about to enter into a situation where the Jewish people, there was this flood of Gentiles that were going to come in. And he says, hey, wait a second, Peter. Before you have this mentality, before all of you have these mentalities of the fact that uh, you've, you've worked and you've borne the heat of the day. He said, you just, just slow your roll a little bit. He said, because see, it's the landowner and it's the landowner's money. And he can do with it what he wants. And the application is this, this morning. Maybe you're here and you're the person that's standing in the marketplace. You're in the town and you just don't have anything to do. The reality is is the landowner is always looking for workers. He would love to give you purpose. And he always gives you what's right. May not what you think be be what you want. But it's interesting how the the landowner just, hey, regardless if the guy worked a couple of hours or an hour or worked all day or whatever, the reality is that they all got what they needed for the day. That principle had been shown through to these disciples over and over again. In Matthew 6, we see how that He clothed the flowers and, the, and He feeds the birds. They don't do anything to get fed or get clothed. The reality is, it's just the goodness of the landowner. He just takes care of them and he just meets their needs. And you know what? We don't work for... If you're, if you're here and, and, and I'm trying to recruit you this morning to be a part of the landowner's work... And the reality is, is that we talked about this as we were going back and forth on our trip to Columbia this week, those of us who went. And we talked about how that, uh, we talked about experiencing God and how that we should just find what God is doing and join Him there. And the landowner is just saying, join. Him. Just join. Him. Right? Become a part of my covenant people. And I'm here today to say, hey, look, just join it. He has a work that he's trying to accomplish in this world, and he's going to make everything new. and he wants you to inherit eternal life. join him in his work. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a worker, and you've been, enjo- you've been joining him in the work for a while now, and the truth is is that yeah, it, it just sometimes it, you've tried to make contracts. One commentator said this, he said, God doesn't make contracts with us as if we could bargain and negotiate a better deal. He makes covenants in which He promises us everything and asks of us everything in return. When He keeps His promises, He is not rewarding us for our effort, but doing what comes naturally to His overflowing, generous nature. Hey, look, work with the right motive. Just work for the landowner. Don't worry about getting paid. God doesn't pay on the 1st and the 15th. I wish He did. I'd sign up tomorrow. God doesn't do that. See, in the kingdom of heaven, it requires faith. In the kingdom of heaven, we serve one who is benevolent and generous. And the reality is that a lot of times, the last will be first, and the first will be last. A lot of people at the end, or a lot of people, even as we go through life, the reality is: if we look at other workers, and he says, "Don't be envious of other workers. Don't. No, 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 no. You just let me be generous. It's, it's my vineyard. This is, this is my, this is my role to play. This is my kingdom." And the reality is, a lot of times, who we have in our mind that should be first in line and should receive the largest payment, God doesn't do that. that anything that we receive is just a tinsel The kingdom of heaven is like a lamp, and man, do we serve a wonderful lamb. Let's go to the Lord. Dear God. We thank You for Jesus. We thank You for the truths that we see here. Lord, I I imagine there's other people that could sit here in the congregation. They could have maybe done a better job. They could have shed light on different things. And I I don't begin to know exactly what all Your kingdom is about and the inner workings of Your kingdom and how You work with Your people. But I do believe that at the end of the day, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. It's Your kingdom. It's Your kingdom. And Lord, I'm grateful that we serve a benevolent King. And Lord, help us to realize that we don't work for a wage. Thank goodness we don't. And we can't make contracts with You, but we are Your covenant people. And Lord, You're our friend and You always do what's fair. Lord, help us to realize not all that we think should be first will be first. Sometimes, Lord, the first will be last and the last will be first. And help us, Lord, not to work with the motivation or the mindset of what we do and what we'll do. But help us to stay focused on You and what You would have us to do and on Your generosity. Let me ask these things in Jesus' name.
0: Oh my goodness, that song right there, I want to tell you something. I hope that you will be with us together next Sunday. Because next Sunday, every fifth Sunday of the year, we come together and we share communion together. Now we do it in a good, safe way that we've addressed through this whole pandemic thing. But I want to say something to all of you. You need to be here next Sunday. As you've listened to this song and as you've heard these words... One of the best things that you can do next Sunday is to join us for Sacrifice Sunday, where we focus on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We focus on the blood that was shed, the message that was shared with you today, the parables that we've been through. And so as we come back together next Sunday, I hope you'll be here. I hope your hearts, you'll start preparing your hearts and minds to worship the Lord. I know Scott and this choir, they're going to have something for us. So you're going to hear songs and you're going to hear the Word of God and we're going to break bread together. And you know how I do that, how we do that. We focus on that communion service on the this Sunday. And it's also a chance for us to give beyond and above what God has been doing in our lives. This church has done a great thing in this past year, a lot of good things. And the way He's affected our ministry and, and the ministry that Matt has had with our children and our young families that they're meeting right now and it it has just been phenomenal what God has been doing so next Sunday I want you to come prepared bring every member of your family as we break bread together and we talk about the shed blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary and what that's all about and I want you to be praying about your giving next week as we talk about this church and its debt that, that God will absolutely invade our hearts and our minds and use us Folks, we are in a season right now in the life of the church like I have never seen before. When I'm able to be in a church and sit and listen to a young man share the Word of God like like I heard today, and when we have the kind of music that we have each Sunday, and when we can come in and we can fellowship and love one another in this chaotic and crazy world, our God saves. Our God. What a wonderful way to leave today. Stand with me. Paul. Oh. Our God saves. What a wonderful Word that is for us to leave here with today, Almighty God. I thank You how You filled my heart and my mind with the preaching of Your Word, the teaching of Scripture, and the praises of God's people. What a wonderful, wonderful experience today. And now as we leave here and we think about this coming week, I pray that every one of us will be praying for the power of God to take hold in our individual lives and our corporate life. For those folks who are visiting with us today, Lord, I pray that this will be a day when they have seen a church that absolutely has shown how much it loves Jesus. And when we place Jesus Christ in the center of all we do and everything we do, Lord, the Holy Spirit of God fills us in such ways that, Lord, it is miraculous. The message we've heard today about how, Lord, You're trying to call all of us to be part of Your kingdom's work. And, Lord, the fact that You call us is an amazing and wonderful statement. So, Lord, bless us as we leave here today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit through the week. And as we come together next Sunday to break bread and participate in taking that cup, I pray that every single one of us will think about the cross of Calvary and how much Jesus Christ has done for us all. And we praise you, Lord, for what we've experienced here today. My spirit is full, my heart is full, and my mind is concentrating on your Holy Word because what is taking place here today. And I praise You and I thank You that I was a part of this service at Popper Springs Church today. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.